This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, height requirements to theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Welcome back, Chris. Yeah, it's been a, I wouldn't say a moment because that might insinuate that it's been a while since we've gotten to do this, but it has been longer than usual. Usually we churn out an episode at least every week, uh, but we had a a pretty eventful week, I'd say. I mean, uh, would you agree with that statement? Oh my goodness, I absolutely would agree with that statement. I'm glad we don't have uh, folks on a Patreon right now or something like that (laughs) because they may have been a little upset with us for this uh, quote-unquote drought of a week. Uh, Maybe we could just say it was for the holiday. Uh, Yeah, it was for a a very certain kind of holiday, I guess. Uh, If we're using holiday in the European sense of the word, meaning off from work instead of a, a celebration of some kind. But it was a celebration. I mean, DJ, we like to have fun and talk about a lot of things on this podcast. It isn't just about roller coasters and barbecue or whatever. We talk about what we want to talk about. And oftentimes that does mean roller coasters. Am I right about that? Yeah, uh, roller coasters, thrill rides, um, anything themed entertainment based. But we do kind of get out there. I I agree with you. I mean, today we are going to be talking about at least a roller coaster. So, dear listener, don't turn it off yet if you're a little uh, apprehensive about what we're talking about in this episode. Give it a chance. Today, we are going to be talking about a very special roller coaster, and that is the roller coaster ride that is life. Forgive the uh, overused metaphor, DJ, but <laughs> I think I, I think it's appropriate to use it for this episode and to bring things in. Yes, uh, the many ups and downs that come with roller coasters, the turns, the yeah, hard twists stops, and turns, being thrown for a loop, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you just buckle your seatbelt and you hold on and you wait for the end of the ride. Essentially, um, that's you what enjoy happens. the ride. That's what the metaphor is all about, DJ. Enjoy that's the exactly ride. Right. Enjoy <laughs> the ride of life. Um, yeah, here we are. You probably understood it from the title of this episode, dear listener, but uh, I'm a dad. I'm a father now. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is a roller coaster ride. Um, the journey of, uh, with, of pregnancy with, with my wife and going through that. And, uh, you know, we'd been together for so long. This was just, you know, kind of the next logical step for us. Um, we have cleared that, that lift hill. We've gone down the drop. A uh, couple camelback hills here and there, qu- quick, sharp turns. Um, but we have a son. Um, he's awesome. He's he's doing extremely well, um, from what I've I've heard from going to his doctor's appointments and and hearing from all of the different healthcare workers that we've encountered. Uh, and so is so is my wife. She's doing incredible. Um, it was not at all uh, what we thought would happen. Um, so. You know, it's it's a roller coaster you you want to be on. Maybe a little more thrilling in some places than you would like. Uh, kind of out of out of control for sure. But uh, we found a great health team that was able almost a year ago now is when we decided that we could actually have children and that it was something we wanted to do. So here we are on the other side of it a year later. Um, it's insane. I I was looking at some of the posts that I've been made just a year ago on Facebook on my personal Facebook and. 
some of the stuff is just crazy. It's like, wow, it, it literally has been a year. I cannot believe that 2020 went by so fast. Uh, I know for some people, I'm sure it was just a slog, um, but I thought the year went by incredibly fast. And here we are on the other side of 4th of July, which happened to be his birthday with how everything turned Aww. out. It was really cool. Um, and, and he'll always, you know, remember his birthday and have a cool birthday. Hopefully he doesn't think that his birthday is overshadowed by other things. But, you know, it is what it is. So No, it'll uh, be like Entangled when, well, every year on her birthday at night, yeah, the they release festival. the lanterns. And like, oh, look what they're doing for my birthday. <laughs> One Disney yeah. movie I actually have seen. So <laughs> I understood your reference there. Well, yeah. But. Baby is going to think... <laughs> hey, look, all these people are celebrating my birthday with fireworks and celebrations and cookouts. It's like, How yes. wonderful is that? Yes, they are. And the way I mapped this out, Chris, um, I was thinking about this. So on his fifth birthday, he will also celebrate um, 250 years of the United States being a country. And then on his 55th birthday, it'll be 300th anniversary, July 4th, 1776. He's born July 4th, 2021. Wow. That's really something. That's, I just imagine baby just enjoying a hot dog and a hamburger and <laughs> it's a, a hybrid party. It's both 4th of July and birthday party. And he's the only one that gets presents on that day, but <laughs> that's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so happy for you, DJ. I'm so grateful that... Uh, I was able to learn about this experience that you're having, this next step that you're taking on Fatherhood the Ride. You were in the queue. You boarded yep. the ride. You got checked, and uh, you're dispatched. You're going. You are on the ride that is Fatherhood the Ride. Yeah, we were in the extended queue for a while, but uh, we made it. We made it through. I was worried we would, we'd be told once we got got on the ride, uh, not tall enough, but you know, we made it work. So, so here we are <laughs> oh, on the other yeah. side of it. It's... It's incredible. I didn't think you could love anyone or anything this much, but I certainly do. Um, people have asked me, they're close to me, hey, is he going to like ride roller coasters and stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. He can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to. Baby can do whatever he yeah. wants, and it will be whatever he needs to do. If he, and if he wants to do that, you know, that is something that, you know, that my knowledge on, I think he would, you know, really have a great time. Um, growing up and doing that sort of thing. But if he doesn't like it, like he doesn't like it, I'm not trying to mold him to be exactly like me or like the things that I love, but I am so looking forward to just watching his personality develop. Um, he's only, he's literally a week old tomorrow. Um, and he already has a personality. So really, that's nice. It's, it's crazy. He, he's super strong. Like he can push off of stuff. He, he, his kicks are strong and, he has hiccups a lot, which is funny, but he also had hiccups when uh, he was, uh, before he was here, when he was in, in my wife. But um, yeah, he's, he's really something. Uh, he's got yawns. He, he does, it's crazy. In, in the ultrasound pictures, he would always have his hand over his mouth or his face. And now when he sleeps, he does that still, which is just <laughs> hilarious. I know um, nothing about babies, so this is all very I didn't interesting. To I me. didn't either. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to hold a baby until he was born. I just never was around babies growing up. I'm an only child. Um, and you got to practice was, with a cat. Oh, that'd be, yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> but they, they said, like, I watched videos, and when I did pick him up the first time, I, they're like, oh, he's natural. So it was no, no worries there. And it's hilarious. He knows because, you know, they don't, they can't really see like they can see, but it's only like three feet in front of them. They don't really know what they're looking at, but they can smell. So, 
um, he knows when he's on my wife and then he knows when he's on me. And so the reaction is always a little bit different. Like when he's on my wife, it's like, okay, I'm hungry. But when he's on me, it's like sleep time. Let's go. (laughs) That's magical, DJ. That is truly magical. You know, this is, like I said, it's a major life event happening right now for you. It's a special moment that we can cherish, I guess, as a part of this podcast. And in some ways, I think that this podcast can be maybe a little bit of a time capsule right now on what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and and what you're looking for, what you're looking forward to. Um, I know we're sort of getting out into the the non-coasterish stuff right now, but I feel like our metaphor is still holding um, I think it's it's something really special, and it's I'm glad that you are sharing these thoughts with me right now, and I'm glad that the listeners get a chance to listen as well. Yeah, I appreciate sharing it with you, Chris. Of course, you're a very close friend of mine, and then also with you, dear listener, um, giving you just a little bit of a glimpse inside of the life change. So we do apologize for missing last week. We did have some crazy things happen, especially in my life, but. Here we are again. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Just want to give a quick tease. Uh, We'll jump into it a little bit later in the episode, but uh, we're going to talk about rides and specifically, as you heard in the intro, height requirements with those rides, some of our favorites that are under a certain um, threshold. But before we do that, um, what's going on in your life, Chris? Oh, comparatively, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) This has been another corkscrew convo. Well, I am at work, and it's super busy at work right now. I've been getting overtime like the last three weeks combined, and so that's good. And I'm still in school doing that sort of thing, and I comparatively nothing. That's what (laughs) – I mean, how can I follow up (laughs) all that you have experienced in this, this is the past... barbecue portion of the podcast. Well, if there is some, well, yeah, I know what you're trying to bring in, but if <laughs> there is something that um, I guess is a big deal for me, uh, I'm going to be going back to a movie theater tomorrow to see Whoa, Black Widow. Black Widow. Oh, uh-huh. I was right. Yeah, and I haven't I been right. inside a movie theater uh, since February 2020. I think February okay. 7th, 2020, to see yep. Just Mercy, and then mm-hmm. I didn't see. Another thing in the theater. And for me, that was an adjustment because I counted um, in 2019, I saw a film at the movie theater at least 25 times that year. Wow. Um, part of that was because of Endgame. I had to go see that a couple of times. <laughs> uh, but other times, it was just a great way to just get out and escape and go in and see a, see a movie. And so this is a return to me. Uh, a returning experience that I can, again, thankfully enjoy and go back to the theaters and see Black Widow because uh, I'm looking forward to the movie, definitely, but um, part of me is like, ah, yeah, it's a prequel. It'll be fine, but I'm really looking forward to the MCU and and the things that are progressing it further in the timeline. Um, And supposedly... I mean, Black Widow has to do that to some extent, so I am looking forward to seeing that, and um, it's. I'm just going to be glad to get back there, and and you know, DJ, uh, there's this a second part of that. This is uh, actually, I'm ninety percent sure that this is a date. Oh, that, uh, that I'm going to see Black Widow, and I'm going to share this detail with the listeners too, if y'all can keep it a secret, please. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things like, I don't know, we might just be going as friends, we might not just be going as friends. I don't know yet. Uh, we might have to 
follow up on this at a future episode, or you'll never hear about this mentioned again. <laughs> uh, if I never mention it again, you'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely know. But, you know, it's good to get out, whether a date in that regards or just as friends. I yeah. think the last movie we saw was was Joker, and then oh, we finally went... It was great. <laughs> and then we finally went back to see the new Conjuring that just came out. So that was the thing that we had seen about a month ago, maybe mm. three weeks ago since then. But um, you, you mentioned, too, that you're kind of your barbecue experience. Yeah, that's what you I, were I, trying I, to bring in. Well, well no, 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 it's, it's fine. I, I see here something interesting in our show notes. You smoked something that I didn't know you could smoke. You can smoke pretty much anything, DJ. You can even smoke cookies. Okay. You okay. can smoke pie or anything like that. <laughs> now, meat and, and vegetables and that sort of thing are more traditionally smoked for obvious reasons. But I did smoke another thing that was the first time that I had smoked it. And this is ribeye. A great old thick ribeye, like at least two inches thick. Wow. Huge pieces of meat. Yeah. And I did ribeye a Ribeye has a lot, of, a lot of fat on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I did that reverse sear. It was amazing. Usually with all these fancy steaks, you uh, sear them at a high temperature, and then you cook them at a lower temperature to cook them to your oh, desired no, no, no. doneness. Other what? way. Other way. Other way. The other way? Well, no. Like, that's – I've done that too, but the reverse sear that you're talking about, that is the superior way. Well, yeah, I was introducing the reverse sear by talking about the, the regular method. Right, 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 right. That, yeah, that the other method is, is fine, but... Yeah, the reverse sear, that's what I did. That's where I um, I rubbed the signature dry rub that I put on pretty much everything onto the meats themselves. Uh, I smoked them for around 50 minutes at 225 to get some smoke flavor into them. Um, and then I, uh, and this was as I was uh, finishing three racks of baby back ribs at the same time. Yes, it was an amazing dinner. <laughs> um, it uh, certainly after, sounds like it. Uh -huh, after I got about 50 minutes of smoke into the ribeyes, I took them out and I cranked it. I turned it all the way to high. It got to around 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and I put a cast iron pan in the smoker itself. Yes. Uh, once it yes. reached that high temperature of around 400, I put two of the steaks at a time. I put two of them on the cast iron pan. It made that mm -hmm. sound as it needed uh -huh. to. I did about five minutes on one side, around four on the other, uh, to an internal temperature of around 135 uh, that came out to about medium rare to medium. Because I did do some uh, reading about how ribeye should be cooked. I realized as I was preparing it, I have never cooked ribeye. How do I do this? <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> apparently you don't really cook it above medium because then... Um, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any steak like that, if you're eating above medium, yeah, it might be uh, an atrocity to mankind. <laughs> well, growing up, I was only ever allowed to have my steaks well done burnt. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, and so now, you've seen the light. Yeah, now that I'm able to cook my own steaks and order my own steaks, I can uh, order them at different levels of doneness that maybe my parents back in the day would not have appreciated. But that's where we are now. <laughs> DJ, now, the, the, the cast iron, did you just throw it down and it came off? Because I'm surprised you didn't have any... There's no oil on it or anything? No, I didn't need it. It was decently well-seasoned, uh, the okay. cast iron that's itself. that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, I am, um, I'm pretty good with my cast iron. I have a, a pan itself that is at least 90 years old. 
I think my great grandfather purchased it. Um, <laughs> wow. When my grandfather was young or maybe not even born, I don't really know, um, because they don't know. <laughs> okay. We they just always had it. And he said, Holy yeah, we, we'd had that since I was at least a child, my grandfather said. And so uh, that is an amazing old wow. piece of cast iron material. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I have a Dutch oven as well, which is less than uh, a yes. year old. Um, yes. And then a flatter style cast iron pan as well that I cook with. Um, and with smoking, it really does come in handy. So I'm really glad to have all that accoutrement <laughs> when I'm putting together all this. And long story short about the ribeye DJ, it was delicious. It was juicy. I didn't need any butter or Worcestershire sauce. Didn't need any of it. No, sir. Because it was so tender, so delicious. And I can see why these ribeyes were $20 a piece at Costco. Yeah, the only thing a steak needs, like a ribeye, is salt and pepper, perhaps yeah. some butter, perhaps some garlic, maybe some rosemary. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the, <laughs> it was so good. So good, DJ. I mean, I wish I could have ribeye more often, but it is very expensive. So uh, that is, might be a is. special occasion thing. And it definitely can be. And, and we appreciate, again, uh, your barbecue talk, Chris, uh, a portion of the podcast that, uh, that many folks enjoy. Um, we want to also just really quick mention the last two incredible episodes we had before our little 4th of July hiatus. We had Drew the Intern from In The Loop Podcast join us for a what I think is the best plan park we'd ever done. We planned oh, yeah. uh, the, the future of King's Island and some really cool things we came up with. We messed with the beast. Uh, we did some things with the front interest. That was great. And then, of course, we also had uh, Joey, the master meme smith. Uh, thank you, Chris, from Silver Dollar City. He joined us to talk about theme park marketing. Um, I think there was some talk of sharks. We'll move past that, though. And also their uh, cinnamon bread. Uh, and Silver Dollar City, of course, one of the best uh, social media accounts of any theme park out there. Um, and we do want to say, Chris and I, to you, dear listener, if you're new to Corkscrew Convos, welcome. Thank you for stopping by. Um, please take a look around, take a listen. We hope you enjoy yourself if this is your first episode. And if not, of course, as we've said, uh, welcome back. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can get in contact with us and interact with the show. Um, if you have a question, a listener question, something that you'd like us to discuss or dive into, uh, there are a lot of ways that you can submit it. There's corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook as Corkscrew Convos. We make it easy, so however you want to get in contact with us or follow the show or interact with the show, uh, we have those platforms up and available for you. We're also on corkscrewconvos.com uh, with more content, exclusive website content uh, coming in the near future, I got to say. Absolutely. I think, Chris, we found a place for your corner to lease out some, some great real estate. Yeah, I'm always thinking of new ideas, <laughs> new things that just pop into my head, and and then we we sometimes talk about it on the show. But uh, other than that, I think the website is going to be a pretty good spot to host that area. And who knows, maybe that will become a famously successful and fun way to <laughs> talk about things that I'm thinking about. And I think that is what the internet is for, shouting your opinions out into the void and seeing if <laughs> anybody reacts. I think that's what we're going for. Will it stick? That is the question. And so with that, Corkstrew Convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in.
So, DJ, like I said earlier, this is a very special episode. We're not really going to do maybe what we've done in the past for this episode because we're celebrating today. We're having a good time. You've gotten barely any sleep. I've gotten a lot (laughs) of sleep. um, So I have probably enough sleep for the both of us. Um, More sleep than my wife. Bless her. Absolutely bless her. Holy Mm. cow. We are going to do something... Um, a little different. I'm not sure if we've done anything quite like this so far in the history of Corkscrew Convos. We are going to rank a list of attractions, and and this is because I think it's time to reevaluate how we think of attractions at parks and 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 rides themselves there. Because I personally have never really had to consider height requirements as a factor in what I can or cannot (laughs) ride. Because by the time I really decided, yeah, I want to ride stuff, I was already tall enough. So I didn't have to pay attention to those or worry about them. But this is something that is going to become very important for you in the Mm -hmm. next couple of years, DJ. So even now, you you and I, I mean, we're adults. So that's I forgot height requirements are even a thing, to be honest. Yeah, we got to think now, what rides will Baby be able to ride before other rides? And so how about we rank the best attractions that are out there with the height requirement of below 48 inches? That's a peculiar height, 48 inches, uh, four feet tall. Well, with 48 inches, you get, like, here's my thinking, you get pretty much everything, you get all of the aero coasters. You get Millennium Force, even. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so at that point, <laughs> you get pretty much everything. That being said, uh, most of the B&M coasters out there do have a higher height requirement of between 52 inches and 54 inches, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and um, I think 54 might actually be the highest height requirement of any ride out there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Once so, you hit 54, your child, or, or if you're listening, if you're not 54 inches yet, um, once you hit that, you can pretty much, I would say, do everything. I don't think there's yeah. anything you can't do. I don't and think 56 I, inches is a thing. I don't think so. And I think at a lot of parks, if you are less than 54 inches, you are permitted to ride a lot of the rides for little ones, where if you are over 54 inches, ah, yes. you can't ride these rides. So yeah, uh, I think that's a, in there. Yeah, that's another delineator there. For those um, people that want those credits, like I got to ride <laughs> every little wacky worm. Like mm-hmm. that's where it's when having a child can come in handy. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not all about the credits though. So that, that won't affect me, but for some people that really changes things. So DJ, I think, for the purposes of this list, let's not count attractions that don't have a height requirement, um, which is going to remove a lot of attractions at Disney naturally, even though they're great and we love them. um, Let's make this list a list of attractions that are something to achieve, something to reach in terms of height requirements. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. I I think we'll do from like 35 four inches and we'll go all the way up to 48 that's where you know 34 is really the least of you have to be at least this tall like you said chris uh and then we'll make sure to keep it under 48 there were some that i really wanted in here and you're probably even going to think why didn't they include that uh probably because it is 48 inches and so we decided to to axe that there's just so many rides like you were saying chris that are 48 
So we've got a list of about 40 here that we have assembled through lots of intense deliberation and back and forth. We have put together a list, and now it's time to go through it. DJ, the first one, number 40, this might shock some listeners. So if you are standing up or maybe even walking while you're listening, I do encourage you to go ahead and find a seat, sit on the yes, ground pull, if you have to. pull over on the side of the road if you're listening via Not really, vehicle. but yeah. <laughs> Number 40, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance at Ooh. Disneyland and Disney's Ouch. Hollywood Studios. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, this one's only 40 inches, um, which is surprising. Um, this is one that we were talking about, Chris. I'm like, oh, we didn't even include it. Well, there was a reason why, and that is that you and I have both still not experienced this attraction yet. Yeah, and Rise of the Resistance, unfortunately, it's just such an unattainable experience for so many and if you're factoring in having a little one with you that maybe might just make the height requirement, you got to drag them out of bed, get up super early to figure out the boarding groups. And if you don't, like maybe I think Disneyland has a 12 o'clock release of boarding groups now, but even then you got to figure that out. And it's just really, unfortunately, not an attainable experience right now for, <laughs> for a lot of us. So uh, that is sort of a, an outside ranking of 40. Yes, and I think we can get more serious now. Um, I don't want to spoil it for myself, so that's why I haven't been, even been reading up on that ride. I do want to do it someday, so uh, please don't spoil it for us. Number 39, though, is kind of a catch-all. Uh, we just kind of grouped all of these together. We did have to acknowledge it. So this would be uh, the Wacky Worms, and I would Ooh. even factor in like the Dragon <laughs> Wagons, too, Chris. I mean, I know the height difference might be either the same or pretty close by, but... Uh, we're just putting those together. Those are the basic wacky worms you've seen around. There's usually a an apple that the worm goes through, or there's the cosmic coaster at some Cedar Fair parks where it's a planet. Um, but very slow ride speed. Um, they're all the same. We just put them on here to get them out of the way. Yeah, 38, we have the Grand Exposition Coaster, which has a 36-inch height requirement. It is at Silver Dollar City. I'm pretty sure it's a Zamperla coaster. It goes around in a, a version of an oval DJ. Mm -hmm. It has a little bit of elevation change, but it's a very calm starting roller coaster for a lot of people. It's funny, that ride used to have an on-ride photo section on it. Uh, which on a little Zamperla is hilarious. But yeah, a nice little drop, upward helix, you go down underneath yourself, a couple bunny hills and a sharp turn. And I believe it does three laps as well. So you get more than just one oh, lap. Oh yeah, a lot of bang for your buck there. I think I waited 45 minutes for that, Coaster TJ. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the credit, it sounds like. Uh, I have since changed my... Um, <laughs> My thoughts on, on waiting 45 minutes for a kitty coaster in DJ, but yeah. Number 37, and we're going to go through these pretty quickly while they're still pretty low on our list. Number 37 is the Dark Knight Coaster at multiple Six Flags parks, uh, including Six Flags Great Adventure, Six Flags New England. DJ, do you know what this coaster is? Yeah, these are essentially a Mac or a mock wild mouse um, sharp turns. It's themed after the Dark Knight movie with uh, Heath Ledger and Christian Bale's characters. Right. Um, I'm not sure that it's mock, but I, it is a wild mouse out there. It's inside. Uh, so it does have some special effects here and there. It does have a pre-show, uh, which was pretty advanced. I remember being impressed when I saw it at Six Flags Great Adventure, and I said, oh, wow, they got a pre-show in here. Okay, I see you, Six Flags. I want to jump in here again and just say that, remember, dear listener, these are all around best coasters. So you might be hearing some of these and think, why would you put a baby or a kid on that ride? Um, these are just all around. 
Yeah, yeah. Dark Knight Coaster, 42 inches, multiple Six Flags parks. Let's go and keep rolling to 36. That is the Barnstormer at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. That has a height requirement of 35 inches. Yep, interesting height requirement there. Theme, th- cool, cool theming, but uh, just you know, a basic roller coaster with some D- Disney theming. Uh, we've also got Grover's well, now, Alpine. Now hold oh, on, DJ. Oh, I thought okay. you had a story about the Barnstormer. Well, I was going to tell it, but it seems like we're trying to run through our C list here. I what got I will time. say, what I will say is that a, a good friend of mine um, that actually listens to this podcast. Um, his wife, uh, this was actually the first thing that she ever rode. And when uh, her parents would take her to Disney World growing up at Magic Kingdom, uh, she said this is basically all she would do all day is just marathon the Barnstormer. So I thought that was a cute little story to share. Oh, nice. Number 35, Grover's Alpine Express. This is a Zier kitty coaster. It has a height requirement of 38 inches, and it is at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. DJ, this is a coaster that is very pretty, I guess, with all of the uh, surrounding greenery. I mean, it's a kiddie coaster, but it looks really nice. And I think you do go through it multiple times as well. Yeah, one that I have seen, chose not to go on, didn't want to wait in line. Um, but number 34, a little bit of history here, uh, Wilderness Run. This is a basic kiddie coaster at Cedar Point, 36-inch height requirement. little history here, though, like I said, this was the first roller coaster that Intamin ever built. Uh, so the precursor to literally the tallest and fastest rides in the world was this small kiddie coaster at Cedar Point. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. And for Intamin, well, they had made some flat rides here and there. But I think it was 1979, they opened Wilderness Run. It's now it's under the name, what is it called now, I think DJ? It, I think it is Wilderness Run now. It used to be oh. uh, Junior Gemini. Junior Gemini, that's right. Now it's Wilderness Run. Okay, yeah, a little bit of history there. I, have, I think I had multiple opportunities to ride that coaster, but I just never got to it. I think I, it wasn't worth it to me, even though it is a lot of history. And I did observe it and appreciate it, but it wasn't really in the cards for me to ride it. Number 33. This is not a coaster. This is something different. And we don't just have coasters on this list. We have all sorts of attractions. Number 33 is Burton Ernie's Lock Adventure with a height requirement of 36 inches at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. DJ, this is a sort of flume ride that is also in the Sesame Street Forest of Fun at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. Um, there's a lot of kinetic energy in this area of the park, a lot of water play elements too, but there's this little flume ride that was actually moved from another location in the park, uh, Land of the Dragons, uh, when they opened up Forest of Fun in 2009, I think. And it was either 2009 or 2011, one of those years. They opened up Forest of Fun and they moved this little flume ride into this area DJ, this is something that I rode uh, at its previous location in Land of the Dragons, and I remember just being in love with this ride. It was so much fun. I just got in the little flume, and we would go, and we'd uh, ride around little things. We'd get a little sprinkle of water here and there, but it was great. And now it lives on as a Sesame Street attraction there. Number 32, Skull Mountain. Yeah, this is over Six Flags Great Adventure. Uh, This is a what, is this a premier family coaster? I think it's Intamin. Is it Intamin? Yeah. Uh, there's there's one that's similar at Six Flags over Texas that's kind of the 
indoor style ride that's similar to this. Um, but, uh, you know, very popular attraction still. It's, it's a good starter coaster, uh, kind of showing some age. So maybe they'll, they'll redo that ride eventually here. Uh, another ride that has an older history as well. We're jumping over to Tennessee and Dollywood for number 31, Blazing Fury, a 42 inch height requirement, which is really the, um, the brainchild, or maybe you would say just the next iteration of number 30, will kind of cluster this together with Fire in the Hole at Silver Dollar City, 36-inch height requirement. Both of these rides, a dark ride experience. Uh, the stories are a bit different, but basically kind of the same deal with a couple drops and an ending splashdown uh, with Fire in the Hole really pulling on the history of Silver Dollar City and the Ozarks uh, where it's located. Right. Fire in the Hole retains its splashdown uh, finale to this day. Blazing Fury has since um, changed their attraction so that it uh, has a still a finale of some sort, and it is a fantastic finale, uh, but it doesn't use water itself to uh, splash and break the attraction, B-R-A-K-E, the attraction um, at the end. But it's still a, a very nice attraction as well. Number 29, we're going to stay at Dollywood, DJ, and that is Dragonflyer, a Vacoma family suspended coaster with a 39-inch height requirement. It's built into the terrain. It's gorgeous. There are fountains and waterfalls around it. It's part of Wildwood Grove, and it's a, a really nice attraction, DJ, that has an overbank turn that adds a little bit of thrill into a ride with a relatively low height requirement. Yeah, they they said for years, uh, or I've heard rumors, and I know you were behind this too. You you'd always said, "Wow, Dollywood needs an inverted coaster," and that's what they got was Dragonflyer. Oh yeah, um, I said, "Family invert, that's what they need," and they listened and they to got me. It. They got it. We got you, Chris. We'll do it. Don't worry. (laughs) We'll jump over to California for number 28. Very historic ride. Perhaps one of the, I would say the most historic ride on this list in matter of importance for roller coasters, at least. We have the Matterhorn Bobsleds at Disneyland, 35 inch minimum height requirement. This was an aero roller coaster that is really credited as the very first tubular steel track roller coaster in the world. Yes, this is a roller coaster with... A lot of set pieces. There is a very advanced animatronic out there. There's actually two coasters themselves in the mountain. Um, You can sort of see this at the loading station where you go to one side or the other, and then you turn and go up into the mountain. Um, Like you said, this is a coaster with a ton of history. When it opened, (laughs) when it opened, there was literally nothing inside the mountain. You would just go in, and it would just be the scaffolding style supports and all of that. But over the years, through the generations, they have built this into an even more incredible attraction with, like we said, animatronics, a lot of set pieces. There is a water splashdown as well. And uh, it's a restraint that is only a seat belt. So for a roller coaster like this, that's a, a pretty unique, fun element. And like you said, 35 inches tall, go ahead and ride Matterhorn bobsleds. Number 27, keeping in the Disney vein, we're going to jump to Epcot in Orlando, Florida, and talk about Mission Space here, a 40-inch height requirement, uh, a ride that uh, essentially simulates the takeoff into space from a rocket ship, and then follows that with kind of journeying around, entering different uh, areas of gravity on different planets. It's essentially a giant centrifuge um, disguised as a spaceship. It's 
You could even say, Chris, one of the first VR experiences in a amusement park attraction, not as immersive as some VR, but you know, you're really in this capsule and you're meant to see only what you're meant to see with these screens around your head. Um, a very intense ride. There's actually two different ways you can ride this, one being more intense than the other. Um, but of course, this is a ride I've always thought was interesting because they include barf bags by your seat on this ride. Yeah, I, I sort of rode Mission Space. I mean, I got the pre-show, and then we went in, and we loaded, and then they closed the doors, and then we sat there for a while, and then we had to get off because uh, oh. it's not working. We got to go. <laughs> I have heard about some downtime there. Uh, one Another ride here that I have been on, number 26, Invader. This is at Busch Gardens Williamsburg, a 46-inch height requirement. Uh, a Great Coasters International hybrid roller coaster, a wooden track with steel supports, a fun little wooden roller coaster ride. I do like the theming in the station. It's some great theming from Bush Gardens. A cool land that it's in, cool area of the park. Uh, and it provides some interesting forces. I think there was, if I remember right, a lot of turns that weren't necessarily banked that much. So you get more laterals than you traditionally would on like a GCI wooden roller coaster. Yeah, there's a tunnel. There's a few pops of airtime. Uh, it's a good bridge coaster. And we've talked about that in previous episodes where... You're moving on from the kiddie coasters, but you're not quite ready for the big stuff yet. That's where things like Invader come in, where you can ride Invader and have a larger drop and, and get to experience uh, something that's bigger, but still attainable for a lot of young ones. After that, we have a, another pretty general one, but this is number 25. This is... Sky coasters in general, <laughs> they have a 42-inch <laughs> height requirement. They're at so many parks around the world. FECs, They're incredible. All sorts of things. Yeah, DJ, have you done a sky coaster yet? I still have not. What? <laughs> um, no, I have not. I just usually it's an extra charge and it's not worth it. And if it is, I'll be honest, I just don't really have an interest in it. Um, it's just, I think, too intense for me. I think it's one thing that I am just <laughs> afraid to do. Um, it's incredible. Maybe someday. Maybe yeah, someday. Sky Coasters, if anyone isn't familiar, it's that uh, huge steel arch, and there's a few spikes on the other side of the ride area where you get in this little apron-looking thing, you're pulled uh, from your back by a cord, and you're pulled up, and then you pull the ripcord and you go down and there's a, a split second where you're just falling, where the cord itself isn't pulled taut, where you just free fall. And then the cord is pulled taut and you swing. You have this huge swinging. There's a wind in your face and you feel this intensity. You go out over the pathway. You wave to all the people. Everybody's in awe of you because you actually paid for it and you're riding it and it's amazing. And then you go swinging back and forth and we go, whoa. And then you, you go back out into the midway and the, by then people are like, oh, you're still here? But yeah, I'm still here and I'm riding. And you go back and then you swing and it's such an incredible ride. Uh, it is usually an upcharge attraction at most parks because it is, um, there's a lot of reason for that, but it's a great attraction and it has a 42 inch height requirement and that is number 25 on our list. Number 24 time to head back to the old Ozark Mountains of southwestern Missouri because we're here for Thunderation. Same height requirement as the Sky Coasters. It's 42 inches. It's an aero mine train, what many people consider to be the best aero mine train, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yes, I think if this ride still had the option to ride backwards, there were a couple cars they flipped for, for many, many years where you could 
literally just ride the whole thing backwards. Um, you could experience this intense helix that, you know, it's pretty intense for a mine train, especially arrow, uh, going forwards, but backwards was a whole different thing. Um, I think I would have ranked this higher on here, probably in the 20s to 11s, but we're keeping it at 24 because of the normal ride um, orientation they have now. Uh, 23 is a ride that has always interested me. I, I kind of feel like it doesn't belong at this park. Uh, we're going to uh, Hollywood Studios at Disney uh, World down in Florida. This is Slinky Dog Dash at 23, 38-inch height requirement. It's this mock uh, family-launched coaster. Not an intense launch, launch by any means, but um, lots of themings. There's cool, like, bigger than, than you can imagine, like, huge tinker toys, um, etch-a-sketches, that sort of thing. Uh, and you're riding on Slinky, which is pretty cool, too, for kids that are, that are into Toy Story. But I don't know. It just I feel like it doesn't belong there. It's just kind of like, oh, here's this outdoor roller coaster. But it is what it is. It looks like a lot of fun. I know it's not a high thrill ride by any means, but it looks like a fun ride. And it has a low height requirement, too. Now, number 22, we're going to stay over in Walt Disney World and Disneyland. This is Splash Mountain with a height requirement of 40 inches. And this is a ride without restraints, DJ. You just get in, you sit in the, the log, and you go on your way. Um, so to have a 40-inch height requirement is pretty pretty interesting there as well. Mm -hmm. um, this is an attraction both at Magic Kingdom and Disneyland that is slated to be rethemed to Princess and the Frog, uh, creating an attraction for that movie with Tiana and all the other characters. So that sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Uh, right now, they're still Splash Mountain, um, but in the future, it will be uh, changed to be uh, a sort of a new attraction. It's going to keep the ride system and, and a lot of elements of the ride itself, but it's going to be a, telling a, a new story for an attraction that opened in the late 80s, I think, for Disneyland mm. and the early mm. 90s for Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know that they're going to do a great job with that. Number 21, we're going to head over to Tampa Bay, Florida for Cobra's Curse. This is a mock spinning coaster with a height requirement of 42 inches at Busch Gardens, Tampa. I haven't ridden it, DJ, but this has a vertical lift. It has an elevator style lift, that sort of thing. You go face to face with the big serpent, or sorry, Cobra, <laughs> and then you go on your way. It has uh, controlled spinning. Is that right? It, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's got a forward section, it has a whole section of the ride where you ride forwards, and then it has a whole section where you ride backwards, and then it has a section where you spin. So it does a variety of different things. Um, I've actually heard that this ride uh, can cause some people to get a little nauseous. Um, I didn't have that experience when I rode it. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a fine ride. I think it's themed really well, and I think it's a good uh, last coaster to put on this before we jump into our top 20. Right, our top 20, here we are. These are the big ones. <laughs> uh, number 20 is Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Disneyland at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, this is one of the two attractions that opened at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in 2019. It has a height requirement of 38 inches. And DJ, this is the attraction where you walk into the Millennium Falcon and you get in the cockpit and you drive it and do other things in a mission. You get some... Well, you, you fly it. 
Well, yeah, yeah. You fly it. You have two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. Uh, the pilots, one of them controls up-down motion. The other controls side-to-side motion to an extent. To an extent. It's not like you can go wherever. Um, the right, gunners right. are just shooting everything in front of you. And then the engineers press buttons when they light up to fix things. Well, that's a cool interactive experience. And you know, I need to do that. I haven't done it yet. But something I have done for number 19 is a ride that holds a special place in my heart. Something I wanted to do since I was small. Finally got the opportunity to do it as I got older. It's Dinosaur at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, a 40-inch height requirement. A really kind of an intense ride. You and I were both kind of shocked that this oh, yeah. was only 40 <laughs> inches to ride this ride. Um, something I think for a kid that might be 40 inches might be a bit too scary. There's lots of dark. There's lots of flashing lights. Mm -hmm. Uh, dinosaurs that jump up. I think people would say this ride might be dated, but I still enjoy the experience. Yeah, it's the same ride system as Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland. Um, So it's that enhanced motion vehicle uh, with all these pops and turns and jolts that really makes a thrilling, dynamic attraction out there. So that is our number 19. Number 18, we're going to head over to Busch Gardens Williamsburg for Escape from Pompeii. Number 42, well, this 42-inch height requirement there. Uh, It's our number 18, but as a 42-inch height requirement, a lot of numbers here. Let's try to keep up. Uh, Escape from Pompeii is a shoot-the-shoot style water ride where you go up the lift hill, you splash down in the trough, and you turn, you go through a few things, then you go down this big drop and have a huge splash into and another thing inside, like an inside ride experience. Now that's where we go different with Escape from Pompeii. And a lot of these style rides, it just goes up, you turn a little bit, you have some fun, yeah, and then you go down and splash. With Escape from Pompeii, you drop after the lift into a show scene that is to be outside of Florida or California and have that level of detail and and decoration and design is amazing. You are transported back in time to Pompeii as it is falling apart and falling into flames in front of you and around you and on top of you even. I'm not going to spoil one of those effects, but there are a lot of intense elements that happen around you, all around you, and then you go through these doors and you drop down into a huge splash, and and that's Escape from Pompeii. It's an amazing attraction at Busch Gardens Williamsburg, and that's why it's number 18 for us. And how about another escape ride with number 17, Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts, an intimate roller coaster, 42-inch height requirement at Universal Studios Orlando. You heard here correctly, a roller coaster is what that ride is. Um, but it, it, could is. Be, it could be deceived as something else. Um, you have a ride vehicle that turns on a track. It, it, it kind of rocks back and forth. There's a really cool um, tilt track section um, that happens in there. Uh, and then, of course, if you love those movies, if you love that universe, you'll enjoy all of the, the casting that's done on that ride and, and all of the funness that's made. It has really its own story that's it's pretty believable. Um, it kind yeah. of meshes with stories <laughs> in the movies and books, but they, they go a little bit off the rails towards the end. Literally, and that's part of the story, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, number 16, we're going to stay in Orlando for Test Track, 
at Epcot with a 40-inch height requirement. Uh, this is a ride that I think opened in 98 or 99 at Epcot. It's where you uh, design your own car and you go through these different tests and things that go on with your car. And then, boom, you launch out of the building. You have a, a pretty nice area where you're going through. you got these fast twists and turns there. Uh, and then that's the ride. It's a really nice attraction. I think it's safe to already call it a classic at Epcot. And that's why it's number 16 for us. And plus, if you're a kid, you get to build your own car. So that's that's really Wait, cool only too. kids? Well, anyone. Anyone. Oh, okay. I, I, re- I really enjoyed it, too. But number 15 <laughs> is a favorite of mine. Uh, you know, kind of wish it was a little bit higher, but understand why, where it is, and where it's at. Uh, number 15, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. This is the only Tower of Terror we're talking about. There is another one over at uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, but this one is at Hollywood Studios uh, in Florida, 40-inch height requirement. I love the old Twilight Zone um, uh, different shorts and TV show, uh, and so this really brings it into its own story. Um, but I think the reason for me, Chris, why this is high up, uh, the ride experience is great. It's a randomized drop tower, um, but I love the theming on this thing. It's so stinking good. It's very spooky. And just Consider yourself on. in a world <laughs> where you are going to ride on an elevator and it's going to go up <laughs> and down and into the fourth dimension. And you only have that seatbelt there, too, which is really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, I haven't ridden this version of the ride. I've ridden it out in uh, Disney California Adventure where it's Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, but I love that attraction, so I bet I would love Tower of Terror as well. Right, and number 14, a very famous ride. Uh, I think when people think of Disney, especially Epcot, they immediately think of this ride. Uh, we're talking about Soarin', 40-inch height requirement on this on this ride, which is really more of a simulating simulated flying-style ride, almost as if you're in a paraglider going over um, really the state of the California and really parts of the country as well. Right. It originally opened at Disney California Adventure when the park opened in 2001, and it was only shots from California. And this is all around California. So you got the beaches, downtown L.A. You got uh, the big aircraft carriers in the port of L.A. You even got Disneyland, of course. And then you went up and you saw the whitewater rafting. You saw the snow-peaked hills. And then you saw the uh, golf ranges in uh, Palm Springs. I mean, there's there's so much geographical diversity over in California that a lot of people thought it was the world <laughs> because there's so many different right. areas. And and in 2016, I think they got the new ride film that is soaring around the world. It replaces all of the California with all around the world. And you see a lot of iconic sites from around the world, including the Taj Mahal, the Eiffel Tower. I'm pretty sure you see the Sydney Opera House as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of things out there all around the world. That's I mean, that's why they named it that. Um, and that was originally the ride film itself was commissioned for the opening of Disneyland Shanghai, uh, but then it made its way to the domestic parks as well. And for the most part, this is the ride film that they show uh, in the Soarin' theaters themselves, the Soarin' Around the World. And it's a really nice, fun way to just... Uh, uh, kick your feet back and get on a little hang glider thing and enjoy it. That is Soren, our 14th ranked attraction here. 13, we're going to go a little different. We're going to go a little prehistoric. This is Rorosaurus at Storyland. And this is a Gravity Group custom roller coaster. Uh, a lot of little 
pops of airtime here and there. It has a 42-inch height requirement. It's an incredible-looking coaster, DJ. Yeah, this is up in the northeast of New Hampshire. Um, the, these kind of small kid coasters that Gravity Group has been putting out, they found a great niche uh, for different parks that need really a family-style wooden roller coaster, and they've got plenty of them. And speaking of which, which number 12, Oscar's Wacky Taxi at Sesame Place in New York, uh, 46 inches tall, so a, a bit higher, um, but also a more intensive ride experience. Um, it is in, again, a park themed to Sesame Street, um, but many folks who get the chance to get this credit to run, to ride this ride really have nothing but good things to say about such a small, snappy ride and such a small footprint. Yeah, it really looks like something special. Um, I can't say that I'll ever go to Sesame Place unless I'm with a kid, <laughs> because, I mean, it, it's for the little ones. So right, right. It's, to me, just to go and <laughs> go to ride it, I, I don't think, I don't know, but uh, maybe... Maybe if I join Baby and You someday at Sesame Place, we'll yes. all have a good old time. Yes, we can We can try that. Yeah. Number 11. This is E.T. Adventure at Universal Orlando, the only remaining opening day attraction at the Universal Orlando Resort that's still there now. And it's an incredible ride, DJ. It's sort of their version of Peter Pan's flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it dated? Yes, I think so. But also... The fact that it's still around, like you said, and still opening day attraction, is is nuts. It's 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 a good ride um, for what it is. Great storytelling. Um, you can enjoy it without having seen ET. Uh, yeah, you know, I was the- terrified of ET. I <laughs> have not watched it in probably at least fifteen years because it was such a formative terror for me. And Perfect. that being said, I did enjoy the ride. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Well, now we're at the top 10. This is the top 10 best rides, attractions out there. Height requirement below 48 inches. We're going to wrap up the top 10 here. We'll be interested to hear your feedback. But let's start, Chris, at number 10, and we'll wrap this up, and we'll get all the way to number one. We'll see what you have to think, dear listener. We're going to go back to Magic Kingdom, uh, just not really across the street from Universal Orlando. Very close, though. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, a 38-inch height requirement. This is a mine train ride that's pretty long. It's a lengthy attraction themed to Snow White and the Seven Doors. Uh, more of a newer attraction. It opened in the past, I think, even five years at this point. Uh, um, 2014, I believe. Okay, okay. Past 10 years. So so a newer attraction still. Uh, a, a great queue experience. And what's interesting about this ride is you, the cars um, swing back and forth around the turns. Yeah, it's an additional axis of motion that we really don't often see for um, coasters built for, I mean, either all ride or a pretty low height requirement like we have with here at 38 inches. So to see that care taken, they do have animated figures as well. They've got some nice lighting. It's a, a good all around Disney roller coaster there. Number nine, we are going to stay at Disney because of course we are. This is Star Tours. The adventure continues with a 40-inch height requirement. It's at Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. This is probably the best application for uh, motion simulator technology out there, I would say. The ride films are always so crisp and so convincing. Uh, It has little neat features here and there. And there's even um, an opportunity to be Uh, what they call the rebel spy. And often they choose a child, which of course the rebel spy is the reason why things go awry when you're um, 
got to get out and go down to this planet because we got a rebel spy that we got to deliver. And then the bad guys come and say, we need this person. <laughs> and then they show the, the picture that they took when everybody was loading. <laughs> and, and, and often it is a little one. But twice, DJ, twice at Disneyland, I have been chosen as the rebel spy. And when I saw my picture get posted up there in front of everyone, I said, whoa, that's me. I'm the (laughs) rebel spy. (laughs) Yeah, but like I said, usually they choose a kid. (laughs) It's a great cue, too, to see C-3PO, R2-D2. It's it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, number eight, we are going to stay at Disneyland. This is Indiana Jones Adventure, sort of Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. This is the same ride system and the same layout as Dinosaur at Disney's Animal Kingdom, Uh, but this has a 46-inch height requirement instead of Dinosaur's 40-inch height requirement. And that's interesting to consider uh, when we were ranking these and trying to determine why that is. We said, well, it's California. They might have different restrictions and regulations. Uh, who knows? <laughs> but that's probably what it is for the same ride system to have a different height requirement. Um, I assume with no inward knowledge of what that is and what goes into it, I assume that's what's going on. But that is an incredible attraction, what many consider to be the greatest attraction at the Disneyland Resort. It opened in 95, and it's still commanding huge crowds to this day. And now we're going to jump over to Eastern Tennessee again, back to our favorite country music icon in her park, Dollywood. Uh, we're talking about Fire Chaser Express in the number seven spot, a 39-inch height requirement. This is a Gertzlauer family coaster. There's a forward launch, a reverse launch, a cool show scene in the middle with fireworks shooting off, fake fireworks, of course, but a real fire element. Lots of switch tracks. Um, very cool ride for this park. Uh, it even uses the old ropes course structure that used to be there to simulate different firehouses you go in and out of. Uh, and this ride commands a pretty good wait time almost always. So uh, it's it's not that it dispatches slowly. It's just a very popular ride because so many folks can ride it, kids all the way to uh, older folks, uh, and really a great story around it. Um, I think even, Chris, when you and I visited Dollywood together, uh, we, we rode this thing quite a few oh, times, yes. and we were surprised that we did. Yes, this is the modern-day mine train that so many parks are trying to figure out because it has a relatively do, a relatively low height requirement but it packs a bit of a punch in terms of thrills and and there's show even effects. A lift. I forgot yes. there's a lift. Yes, it's it's such a unique interesting ride. I realized when you were talking about this and I was thinking about the modern train mine train, the modern day mine train, we left out another Another sort of modern-day mine train, which is Verbolton at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. We had mentioned it, but I never wrote it down. Um, So let's just do an honorary mention for Verbolton. That has a 46-inch height requirement. Uh, It replaced the Big Bad Wolf at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. It has multiple launches. It has a surprise in the uh, show building. There's a lot of special effects in there as well. It's a very nice attraction. It has that dive down to the Rhine River and then twists and turns up into the brake run. So that's a a very good ride. I just offhand probably rank that somewhere in the teens or the yeah. early 20s if we were yeah. ranking that but like we said we forgot our bad <laughs> <laughs> we also forgot big thunder mountain but we we will oh, forgive that my word <laughs> Speaking of honorable mentions, right? But number six, uh, let's jump to uh, Silver Dollar City back in the Ozarks. Um, really surprised how high up this is. But remember, we're talking about 
best rides in general, best rides and attractions below that 48 inches. Um, so we're going to talk about Powder Keg, A Blast in the Wilderness. Uh, very shocking because this ride has a 42-inch height requirement. Wow. So not that tall at all. This is... You tell me, Chris, um, because I've ridden this many more times than you have, but I know you have been on it a few times. This is one of the most intense launch experiences probably in the U.S. outside of something like Top Thrill Dragster or King Daka, which is, you know, over 120 miles an hour. This is zero to 53 yeah. in like two seconds flat. Yeah, this is an SNS launch coaster. It uses pneumatic technology to launch, so it does have that incredible acceleration. You get a, a nice airtime hill, and then you dive into the Ozark Hills. So to have a 42-inch height requirement, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's 64 miles an hour, too, so uh, wild, wild, wild. Um, so we've now reached the top five. Um, this is where folks are going to get upset, perhaps, but please bear with us as we talk about these last five and, and why we think we're deserving. they're deserving of these spots. At number five, now, of course, we say, like, I can't believe we forgot Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> I can't believe that, but uh, we got to move on. No, it must <laughs> be forgettable. Yeah. Oh, oh, my word. Okay, Oof. number five. This is a ride that is at multiple Universal Parks. It's in Orlando. It's in Hollywood. It's in Singapore. This is Transformers the Ride 3D with a 40-inch height requirement, now, DJ. This, now, now, the movies, Chris, not the best forms of cinema. Well, well, yeah, the movies don't always make sense. But I would say this ride makes up for it in terms of narrative structure the ride narrative makes sense you're out with havoc you're riding the bad guys come and blow fireballs <laughs> and then we escape I mean, by uh using the shard of the cube and pushing it into him just like in the movie oh spoiler it, by the way <laughs> it, it is an intense ride too yeah um the, the the shaking that happens the the burnouts the the heat um, yeah, it's a rivalry. Just, there, it just I, goes I, into slow-mo sometimes, but that's how yes, it is in that world. Yes, and I remember the first time riding it. I mean, I was an adult, and I was like, is it supposed to be doing this? Because I thought of how intense it was. Yeah, yeah. when I first rode this, side, this sort of ride system, um, like with Spider-Man, probably another one that we forgot, but it would probably be right up here too. Spider-Man at Islands of Adventure. Can we I was pair like, them together? Whoa. Is that is that? Yeah, we compare them. Spider-Man's better than Transformers, but we compare them together for the <laughs> purposes of this ranking. Uh, Spider-Man, I was amazed by how violent the motion was. I was used to things like Curse of Dark Castle, which was a comparatively um, mild use of that motion simulation technology but to have this violent bucking and, and and moving back and forth in this ride system i was amazed and enthralled and so that is why these are some of the best attractions out there with a height requirement below 48 inches and speaking of below 48 inches as with all of this list we're going to jump up a little bit higher to 44 inches number four Space Mountain. We're talking about both the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland versions of this. Uh, there's multiple versions at, at multiple Disney parks. Um, there's ones like Disneyland Paris, which is a little bit different experience, but we're talking about the ones in the state here in the States. Uh, you know, very iconic ride for some. There's some nostalgia factors in there. Um, yes. I've been on Disney uh, Magic Kingdom's version, and Chris, you've been on Disneyland's, I believe. Yes, and the Magic Kingdom's. I rode the one in the Magic Kingdom once, and I was like, yeah, that was fun. Okay. Uh, but then I rode the one at Disneyland, which is, 
once the ride experience itself is entirely different because it was completely rebuilt uh, between the years of 2003 and 2005. So it's not really an aero coaster anymore because nothing is left of aero. It's a, it's a different manufacturer now. And it goes through, and I'm pretty sure it's dynamic attractions, which fabricated the track itself. It has these tight turns, these twists, and there are screens throughout the ride itself to uh, put on different um, show scenes. And during the, the regular operation of Space Mountain, it's uh, galactic things here and there. During Ghost Galaxy, it's these skulls and things saying, ooh, boo, at you <laughs> while you're riding through. During Hyperspace Mountain, it is other ships that are running along right beside you, and then they blast things or blow up or that, like that. And I'm just in love with Space Mountain at Disneyland. That is probably my second favorite Disney coaster out there. Wow. First favorite I'm not going to mention yet. But we'll get to that oh. soon. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up with the top three here. Uh, you know, but might as well just say it. We should have said it with number four. The remaining three are all Disney attractions. Um, it's not that we don't like Disney or anything like that. We were just trying to diversify this list and not have everything be Disney. But they do us so well. So number three, Radiator Springs Racers, Disney's California Adventure, a minimum height requirement of 40 inches. Uh, it's funny because it, there already is a modern day version you could say, but this is the modern, modern day version of test track. Would that be accurate to say? Yes. It's these vehicles that you're riding on, on a road, like piece of track, then you're being pulled and controlled from beneath it, but it is not test track. You are in the world of cars, Pixar cars, where you're going through Radiator Springs, you're meeting all these characters, and then you race. And it's really fun. There's even airtime in this ride. And it's one of the greatest attractions out there. The animatronics uh, look incredible. Oh, yes. I'd say it's probably in the top three attractions at the Disneyland Resort and definitely one of the best in the world as well. So number two, we have reached, Chris, what is your favorite coaster experience? Under at a Disney park. At a Disney park yeah. under 48 inches. Mm -hmm. um, this is one that I had, I think, three separate opportunities to ride and I still have not done it. I've wanted to do it so bad. Mm -hmm. um, maybe someday. Um, but this is Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain, 44 inches height requirement. The Yeti is here, Chris. Oh, yeah, the Yeti's here. He's not doing much right now, but he's here. He's uh, here. This is at Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is sort of the spiritual successor to the Matterhorn bobsleds because it's a snow-capped mountain that you're whizzing in and out of. And this ride, when I first rode it just a few months ago, it surprised me with its intensity. It surprised me with its airtime and even with how convincing the Disco Yeti was. And a lot of people call it the Disco <laughs> Yeti because it's strobe lights and a fan to simulate the motion of the Yeti itself, which is famously closed for uh, more than a decade now. Um, but it's, it's such a good ride and there's indoor and outdoor forwards and backwards and track switches. Pretty it's fast incredible. Too. Hmm? Pretty quick too, isn't it? Speed wise. Yeah. It's a, it's such a good ride. DJ. And that's why I put it on number two on the list and you didn't fight me on it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually you did. I wanted to put this as number one, but you wouldn't let me. I just remember that. And I'm a little bitter. 
but okay. Well, you know, we can fight it out with this number one pick. And maybe we are jumping on the hype train. Maybe we should have had a more creative answer here. Um, but remember, we're looking at rides under 48 inches. Um, and so we will stay at Animal Kingdom. I'm sure some of you, dear listeners, saw this one coming. Avatar Flight of Passage, a 44-inch height requirement. Uh, there at Animal Kingdom, like I mentioned, over in Pandora. Um just wow. Uh, the queue is absolutely stunning. The amount of things that are in there, um, the amount of detail, uh, and then the actual ride experience. You're essentially riding on an animal. I cannot remember the name of those animals. Is the, okay. The Banshee. I watched the movie one time and I was like, I'm <laughs> fine. I don't need to see that again. Um, but, um, the ride I will do multiple times as many times as I can. Um, the Banshee, you actually, you, you, you sort of straddle, uh, the Banshee, just like you would in the movies, and you feel it breathing underneath you. Um, you feel it taking these big grunts of breaths before it dives down or flies up. Um, the whole experience is just unbelievable. Everything is extremely immersive, crisp display screens. The sound is great. Um, you really feel like you're in that movie. You're in that universe. Um, there's so much more I could say about it. I, I'm upset that you haven't been on it yet, Chris. Um, it's the I, line is always so long for it. And I had yes. one day at animal kingdom and I said, you know, uh, next time I come to animal kingdom, I'll rope drop flight of passage and yeah. I'll get it done yeah. until then. It still looks like an amazing attraction. It has a 44 inch height requirement. So the little ones can ride it too. And it looks great. Yes. Uh, make sure you get out there and experience that. But you know, that's our list, Chris. That's 40 rides, the best in the world, rides and attractions, below well, the 48-inch... Well, at least in inch, the country. <laughs> well, that's true. But believe, yeah. below the 48-inch height requirements, um, rides that we have knowledge of or have been on, um, where we would rank them. But now it's time to find out what you think about this list, what you think, where you'd, you'd rank different things. We'd be interested to hear your feedback. Yeah, he's talking to you, the listener, uh, because there's a lot of ways that you can talk to us about what you think about this list. You can rail at us, yell at us, because we forgot Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And if you ride it in row 15, it can be a pretty thrilling ride. And there's all <laughs> these animatronics and special effects there, and we forgot it. And that is eating at me. But... Go ahead and tell us how wrong we are. We have uh, the Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Corkscrew Convos there. We also have CorkscrewConvos at gmail.com as our email address. Uh, we're also on the YouTube uh, putting out these episodes uh, in a different medium so that you are able to have these to listen to via YouTube as well. So there's a lot of ways that you can follow the show, get in contact with the show, consume the show. There's a lot of ways for you to do that here, and we make it easy for you. That's what we try to do. Um, DJ is also on Twitch. He is DJ for Fire. Now, DJ, with this uh, little one that you have now, <laughs> do you think you're going to have much opportunity to be streaming sometime soon? I don't think personally I will, um, but dear listener, I ask you stay tuned. We've got some plans for Corkscrew Combos that uh, we might be leveraging Twitch here, so uh, stay oh, tuned for leveraging. that. If that's some, stay, stay tuned for that if that's something we do. It's another way to bring you content, maybe something a little bit different than the normal podcast you listen to. But if you are listening to the normal podcast still, if you've made it this far, we really appreciate you doing that. You truly deserve a golden star if you haven't turned it off already yet. Um, you impress us with our thoroughness, so we would ask that you do one more piece of thoroughness for us. 
please follow us on whatever platform you're on. And especially if you're on Apple, please consider leaving a five-star review for us. It's really the easiest way you can help us out. If you love the content we're putting out, if you love uh, our banter back and forth, if you love our special guests, be sure to leave us a review because that's the best way to help us. Uh, it puts us out there and it really uh, allows us to just keep doing this. So we appreciate you being with us for as long as you have, or we also appreciate you if this is the first episode you've joined in. So consider doing that. And, uh, you know, we'll even read it out loud, give you a shout out on the show if you do it. If it's five stars. <laughs> if it's five stars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this has been a fun episode, DJ. I have begun to reevaluate how I look at attractions because of... Uh, the vicarious experience that I have through you. You got your little one now. Now, it might be a couple of years until uh, Baby is riding any of these, but <laughs> hopefully it's uh, coming up in the future, and hopefully Baby is going to be just as enthralled with themed entertainment as you are. Maybe. I mean, he'll be his own person. He'll do his own thing, but hopefully he likes uh, coasters too. That would be pretty cool. Just another reason for you, dear listener, to keep tuning in. Yeah, this is going to become a sort of like they have mommy bloggers. We're going to be daddy bloggers. We're <laughs> going to figure it out. Yeah. So until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>